Hello everyone, welcome to Mushtar FM 89.6. This is Victoria and this is Gossip. And today I'm hosting the show with uh, Natalia. Hello. Hello. <laughs> okay, we're on the same page, right? <laughs> on the same vibe. Yes, yes. So, as I know, uh, you're quite fond of literature, right? You like reading a lot. At least I see you reading a lot. I do read. Yes. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that you've read Dorian Gray, right? Yes, of course I did. Yes. So, and... Uh, Maybe you've already guessed. We are going to be talking about Oscar Wilde, one of the most famous author, right? Who also has his birthday in autumn on October 16th, same as me. Oh, wow. Really? Yes. Maybe he reincarnated in you. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know what it's supposed to mean. No, I mean, I mean that your language is beautiful. I'm not talking about all the other juicy stuff that we're going to be talking about, right? Though it's interesting to have a juicy life. Well, indeed, he had a very, very, very juicy, juicy life. But before we get down to the whole juice, uh, let's uh, cover his biography just briefly. Because uh, we need to know the origins, uh, his background, his upbringing, because it is essential when it comes to the works themselves and the lifestyle as well. So Oscar Wilde was born uh, in Dublin on the 16th of October in 1854 to Sir William Wilde and his wife Jane. His mother was a successful poet and journalist and his father was a leading ear and eye surgeon and a renowned philanthropist and gifted writer. Also, Oscar had an elder brother, Willie, and a younger sister, Isola, who died at the early age of 10. So as you can see, he comes from a quite sophisticated family, I'd say. Both his mother and father are good at linguistics. If we're talking about his education, he was educated at Portora Royal School, then Trinity College in Dublin, and then Magdalene College, Oxford. While at Oxford, he became involved in the aesthetic movement and became an advocate for art for art's sake. And whilst at Magdalen, he won the 1878 Nudigate Prize for his poem Ravenna. So after he graduated, he moved to Chelsea in London to establish a literary career. And in 1881, he published his first collection of poetry that received quite mixed reviews by critics. He worked as an art reviewer, lectured in the United States and Canada, and he also lived in Paris. Besides that, he lectured in Britain and Ireland. So this is the boring stuff, but the boring stuff that we need to know. So quite soon in London, he meets a woman. Right, Natasha? Yes, precisely. So he meets a woman, but we also should take into account maybe his appearance, his manners, mannerisms, and so on. Because during the beginning of his career, he was already quite a dandy as we can call him. And these mixed reviews that he was receiving by critics all the time, I think they were partly corresponding to his behaviors and his quite 
maybe flamboyant appearance, right? Yeah. Because the way he was dressing was quite particular and quite different from the norms of the society back then. So he was uh, really eccentric and flamboyant. Exactly. Aesthetics and art, art for art, all of that. And there were as well a lot of cases where he mentioned something which society was not ready to take, was not ready to accept in his poems and his literature in general. That is why I'm quite surprised that he was still going on with his career as a writer when the critics that he received was all the time quite strong. But saying that again and being back to London, in London he had been introduced to Constance Lloyd, a daughter of Horace Lloyd, a wealthy Queen's councillor. She happened to be visiting Dublin as well in a few years when Wilde was lecturing at Gaiety Theatre. He proposed to her and they get married on May 29 in 1884 in London. And although Constance had an annual allowance of £250, which was substantial for a young woman, so she was coming from quite a rich family, that's an equivalent to about £27,000 in current value. I mean, that's not too much, but that's enough to live somehow. The Wilds had relatively luxurious tastes. So Oscar Wilde decided to design his house to set new standards, because that is what he was famous for. And number 16 on the Tide Street was renovated in seven months at considerable expense. Then the couple had two sons together, and basically that could have been their happy life. However, something happened. Yeah, maybe you, our dear listeners, have already guessed what we're gonna to talk about. So Oscar Wilde started developing quite homosexual inclinations, let's say. Yeah, to call it mildly, because we cannot be sure about that. However, in 1886 at Oxford, Wilde met Robert Horst. And we know Robert Horst as Wilde's friend at first, but there are different opinions because Ross, who had read Wilde's poem before they had met, seemed to be unrestrained by the Victorian prohibition against homosexuality. And some say that he, being 17 back at times, that he, so young and so knowing, was determined to seduce Wilde. And maybe he succeeded, because they say as well that the marriage had begun to unravel after the wife's second pregnancy and Wild was physically repelled and he wanted something new. Yeah, maybe that was the reason, one of the reasons, because I think that he was this type of person who was seeking novel emotions. And for beauty as well. And for beauty as well. I don't know if, like, let's imagine if he lived in our modern world. I think that that would be not that's welcomed. I mean, there are a lot of rumors that he actually slept with young boys. They were like 14 or 15-year-old boys. There are some um, journals that states that, for example, one woman was working at the hotel and she was writing that she was absolutely appalled and disgusted 
Whenever she came into his room, that there were dirty linen and with lots of semen and whatnot. Of course, we cannot say that it was one hundred percent true, but、uh, there are a lot of rumors about that. If we're talking about、um, his love life and、uh, well, his life in general, we cannot help but mention his quite passionate yet、uh, maybe fatal affair with、uh, Lord Alfred Douglas. Have you ever heard this name before? Alfred Douglas. I mean, in connection with Walt, yes. Otherwise, no. Yeah. Well, the thing is that he was also writing poetry, and he wanted to become a quite famous writer, but it didn't really work out. But the thing is that their acquaintance, let's say, was a major turning point in Wilde's life. So they met each other in 1891. They met each other in、uh, a Pretty town called Rouen. Douglas at that time was a twenty-one-year-old Oxford undergraduate, and he was a pretty talented poet. And what brought them together was a famous novel, Dorian Gray. So Douglas was absolutely excited about the novel, and he wanted to meet the author no matter what. And if I'm not mistaken, they had a mutual friends. So in the end, Douglas was introduced to Oscar Wilde, and it's important to mention that、um, it was not. A passionate love from the very beginning. So at first, it was just a simple acquaintance, I'd say. Douglas sent him his works for a while to sort of criticize them, to point out what's good and what's not. But also, what is more important, Douglas was super handsome. Yeah, he was a real dandy, and his personality was quite peculiar. He was passionate. He was disobedient, and he was quite known for his homosexual connections.、Uh, he was not hiding that, but his family, which was、um, quite famous, his father was the Marquis of Queensbury. Of course, his father was not happy about his son being gay and basically putting the a family. Into shadow, so to say. I guess that it was tough for the father, don't you think so? Of course, of course, and as well, if he had some connections in society and his reputation was at stake, wasn't he a banker or some kind of financial guy? His father. Yes. To be honest, I don't really remember, but. I do remember that he had lots of money and he had a lot of influence. And besides that, his temper was was quite hot, I'd say, and and aggressive. And the thing is that Alfred was not really particular about who he was sleeping with, and. Some partner started blackmailing him, and、uh, instead of going to his family asking for help, he actually asked for it from Wild. And back then, Wild was a revered playwright. He had lots of money, and he led a pretty luxurious life. 
So he paid 30 pounds to this blackmailer. And from that point, they started spending a lot of time together. They were partying really hard. And there were lots of orgies and whatnot. You know, sometimes I wonder if everything that Oscar Wilde wrote in Dorian Gray was actually his own experience. What do you think? Why not? I'm not sure that the time corresponded to the same period of his life. Because as I've heard, it was Douglas who introduced him to this kind of lifestyle with Brussels. Before, there were some parties, of course, but that was more of an art style party, not orgies. And after Douglas, it changed. Yeah, but... Well, we we cannot picture actually. We we cannot say for sure when exactly he started experiencing this um, juicy life. (laughs) Let's put it like this. But for me, I don't know. It's quite difficult to write about it in such detail without actually experiencing it. Because when I was reading Dorian Gray, I was taken aback. I was like, how is it possible to write this so explicitly? So, but this is my assumptions again. So it's just what I wonder about. So they started spending a lot of time together. Wilde was trying to, not really to hide their relationships, But he was actually thinking about his wife and he knew that it was destroying the whole reputation and he was trying to be a little bit more subtle about the whole thing. But Alfred, since we know his character, he didn't want to hide. He wanted everyone to know that they were sleeping together, that they were in love, like madly in love with each other. And at this point, Wilde had to actually move to a hotel tell because that that was quite hard on his wife but i don't know if it was a better choice or not like imagine living your wife alone with two kids but i guess that he was not really helping her with them reminds me of yesenia actually and their love was really passionate there are lots of letters that wild sent to alfred he was calling him my beautiful boy my pretty boy kissing your lips and whatnot you know as you said in as well but as you might have guessed already the father was not really happy about that because it went a little bit beyond of limits and he was jealous (laughs) maybe he was like oh my god i want to hang out with wild as well why did he have to choose my son instead of me (laughs) i have money yeah and he doesn't so the thing is that he was uh, pretty much against the relationship and uh, he wanted to sabotage wild's play by throwing at him rotten vegetables But his plan was revealed. But since it didn't work out, he started basically following him everywhere and bothering him all the time. And Wilde kind of got fed up and he decided to uh, sue him. And that was a pretty bad idea. So Wilde was relying on his popularity, on his status, and he thought that everything would be easy peasy, lemon squeezy, not a big deal. But the problem is that the father had um, hired private detectives and they gathered evidence that he was 
seen in uh, homosexual intercourses. There were lots of witnesses, young boys who were sleeping with him. And in the end, actually, he was the one who got in jail. So he was sentenced to two years of hard labor. And that that was a major turning point. Yeah, because uh, no one wanted to put his place. He was criticized by the society. He was spat on. And his time in jail was quite harsh. He had to work for six or seven hours a day on treadmill. And him coming from this luxurious background was actually um, exacerbating the problem. And um, of course, he was not used to this type of life. And his health deteriorated. Yeah, that was the worst time in his life, I guess. Was he still in touch with Douglas? Well, not really. Douglas actually moved abroad and uh, he started uh, spreading rumors that he had actually never been in uh, love with him, that they even didn't know each other or that he was forced into it. So he was basically changing the whole story. Wilde, on the other hand, was uh, constantly writing letters to him, though he couldn't send them. And um, yeah, maybe you know his uh, work, which is called De Profundis. He wrote it in uh, jail. I have heard this name before, and I know that it's something about like a devil and a good guy, but no other details come to my mind. Well, basically, that was the story about him and Douglas. And uh, there is a beautiful part that I'd like to recite. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it is uh, quite long, but it pretty much summarizes what kind of person Douglas was. So I start quoting. But you, Douglas, like myself, have had a terrible tragedy in your life, the one of an entirely opposite character to mine. Do you want to learn what it was? It was this. In you, hate was always stronger than love. Your hatred of your father was of such stature that it entirely outstripped and overshadowed your love for me. There was no struggle between them at all, or but little. Of such dimensions was your hatred and of such monstrous growth. You did not realize that there is no room for both passions in the same soul. They cannot live together in that fair carven house. Love is fed by the imagination, by which we become wiser than we know, better than we feel, nobler than we are, by which we can see life as a whole, by which and by which alone we can understand others in their real as in their ideal relations. End of quote. Yeah, I'm not sure. That's not what I would expect from Wild. It sounds like he had matured and maybe overgrown himself, but like too much. Because that's a story of a old, really old person. And he's trying to teach someone who is already like in his 20s, not 21 anymore. I'm not sure if I would listen to that. I don't know. I have pretty mixed feelings about this because, well, he had known him before and maybe he actually knows what he's talking about in this case. But yeah, to sum it up, his life in prison was harsh, his health deteriorated and uh, he had nothing. But he was let out after two years and he was still alive. So do you know anything about his life after the prison? Yes, of course. And 
it's getting even more and more interesting and no less juicy after that. So before he was let out from prison, three months before, his wife Constance obtained a legal separation permit and also a formal end of his responsibility for his two sons. So his family life basically ended. After a hot discussion that they had with the wife, Constant agreed to offer him an annual allowance of 150 pounds a year on condition that he didn't see his sons. And as well, again, they say that there was other condition, which was that Wilde should not associate in future with any person deemed disreputable in the eyes of his own lawyer. And that was a clear hint to Lord Alfred Douglas, who had been Wilde's lover. So, next day after his release, Wilde fled to France because he was again criticized and he didn't want to live like that. I think he wanted to change the environment. He also tried to get a priest, a Catholic priest. He was looking for ways to convert into Catholic religion, but he didn't manage to when he was younger. And now he was trying to do it again, but I think his reputation paid a role in this play and he was not successful. So in France, he had insisted that any communication with Douglas would come only through his old friend Ross. And he was still continuing to write beautiful letters to Douglas. By then, Ross, who we know as a first seducer, and a friend, Wilde became close to Constance, so he would represent both Wilde's interests and Constance's interests, which I think is not an ideal situation by law as well. Yeah, just getting the third person involved. Yeah, and he is serving two opposite parties, which is maybe profitable for him, but not for everyone else. So he was working to rehabilitate Wilde's reputation in England, But at the same time, he came to dislike Douglas. Maybe he was jealous a little bit. And he was not happy about the prospects of this exchange of correspondence and any further arrangements between Wilde and Douglas. And there was again Douglas' father who sent detectives to monitor Wilde's movements and as well his son's movements because he wanted to keep the two men apart as he had always done before. In correspondence with Douglas, Ross made it clear that if Douglas were to see Wilde, then Wilde had to let go his allowance from Constance, his former wife. Ross suggested that maybe Douglas could use his family money to give it to Wilde instead of Constance giving it to Wilde. And he wrote, with your 150 pounds, he will have the added pleasure of your perpetual society and your inspiring temper. That's oh, a nice way. Really, really. You know, I think that I remember when I was watching a video about Alfred and Wilde after being released from prison. Of course, he didn't have any money and uh, he asked for some from Alfred, but he actually denied this request because uh, he started gambling a lot, something connected to horses. So he was like, yeah, this is the only thing that I want to focus on so I don't have any money for you. But maybe that was a little bit later. Oh, maybe that was earlier as well. 
because I think when he was released, I mean, when Wilde was released, he sent these collections of poems and letters that he was writing in prison to Douglas, and they were not very kind stuff because Wilde was offended and he was portraying Douglas as a devil and whatnot. So who knows? But here as well, like that letter, what I mentioned, it was a letter from Ross to Douglas. And that was simply a suggestion that if Douglas comes, then Wilde is out of money. So Douglas should probably give him some money as well. Oh, I see. As mm -hmm. his attention. So what happens was that they actually met. So later on in his autobiography published in 1929, Douglas wrote, here I will quote, Poor Oscar cried when I met him at the station, and I did the same. We walked about all day, arm in arm, or hand in hand, and were perfectly happy. We had settled that when I went back to Naples, after six weeks later, he was to join me there. So their romance continued, and to the consternation of their friends and family, the two men actually arrived in Italy a year after, and they rented a villa, and they began living together. But still, I think that it was quite tough. They thought that being abroad would be easy and uh, no one would recognize them. But the whole situation was so well known and widespread that they were recognized basically everywhere, right? Yes, exactly. That is why when they were in Capri in late October, they were ejected from the hotel because there was a scandal And they had to leave dining room because everyone was in disgust at the entrance there. And of course, they were broke, which didn't allow any comfortable life. I'm not sure whether Douglas gave money to Walt, but that's a fact they were broke. And Constance here interfered a little bit, as well as Douglas's mother. They were both threatening to cut off their funds. However, the other possible choice was for Douglas and Oscar Wilde to separate. Wilde responded to this offer with shock and rage and defiance as well. And by the end of November, Douglas left Naples. His mother was sending 200 pounds to Wilde if he promised never to live with Douglas again. It's interesting, actually, never to live with him. So meeting occasionally maybe could be fine. Yeah, maybe, but as far as I know, after that, they didn't actually see each other. They were not in contact at all. And Oscar Wilde spent his last day borrowing money from everyone he could, drinking heavily. Yeah, that's true. So he was spending time alone. He was living in cheap hotels. And eventually he died in the beginning of the 20th century. Yeah, because he had problems with the health. Yes. Yeah, so that's how his life ended, which is... I don't know how to describe it, to be honest, but it feels like it always happens to people who are good at writing or who are good at arts, but their life, it is usually quite peculiar and it's difficult to define it, really. If I imagine his life like the one in Dorian Gray, for example, then I think it was worth it because it's interesting, it's intense, it's filled with different desires 
and pleasures and emotions. So maybe it was worth it. But again, they're portrayed as something negative because in the end he is paying for all this vice, let's say. And I remember reading one quote by Oscar Wilde that he actually wrote almost in the end of his life that, yeah, he, he lived the life that he lived, but he had to pay for his desires. Just to paraphrase it, that's not word-to-word uh, quotation, but but yeah, he was so overwhelmed maybe by these emotions and he was basically drowning in them that he lost the connection with um, sensibility. I don't know, should we blame Walt or should we blame the society for that? I'm not blaming anyone and this is not my point. It's just what he thought of his life as well that... Yeah, at some point he got into all the pleasures, like sensualities, too deeply. Yeah, I'd say the part where minors were involved is bothering me and it's not nice at all. I, I don't know how it was back then, if it was uh, prohibited by law. It was, well, he was a bit unlucky again because it was not prohibited, I think, 10 years before he had started acting like that. But by that time, yes, the law has changed. And like offending minors is not nice again. That's true. That's true. So, yeah. Anyways, we know that Wilde has quite a fame and love from the today's society. And we could see it clearly as well for his tomb. Because his tomb had to be cleaned of lipstick marks. Really? Yes. So they were left there by admirers and later on in 2011, a glass barrier had to be installed there to prevent further damage of his tomb. And uh, also, I think that it's important to mention that uh, in 2017, Wilde was among an estimated 50,000 men who were pardoned for homosexual acts that were no longer considered offenses under the Policy and Crime Act uh, 2017. I don't know if it makes any difference or not. I think that it is... It doesn't make any sense to me personally, but maybe for the society as whole, it is important. I think we should accept our own mistakes or mistakes of the society. Yes. And with that beautiful note, we're finishing our gossip show. Thank you for being with us. If you have anything that you like to comment on, please go on our social media and comment. Yes. Thank you so much and bye. Goodbye.